are again. It's episode 72 of the Development Hell podcast. So far, Ed and I have been actually pretty good at sticking to our 2016 schedule. As we are recording this, it is February 15th, so I hope you did not have a soul-crushing Valentine's Day. I went and had a nice dinner on Saturday with my wife, went to a nice fancy Italian restaurant, uh, threw a couple Canadian Benjamins down and had a good time. What about you, Ed? Did you do anything with uh, with Sugar Mag? We uh, went to go see Deadpool. Oh, yeah? And did you like Deadpool? Yeah, Deadpool was actually really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, really I think good. I'm going to wait till I can watch it on demand here at home. You don't like to leave the well, house? Well, just uh, kind of easier. Do you see any movies in the theater? Uh, I went and saw Star Wars Force Awakens in the theater. I don't go to a lot of, I don't go mm-hmm. to a lot of movies. Yeah, but did you see a 70 millimeter print like I did? Uh, I saw it in 3D. Why are you saying stupid, man? No, with, sure uh, with, res- with reserved um, seating, too. It was very cool. Ooh, reserved yeah. seating. Yeah, we have one of those, um, like the big uh, like IMAX, like the full-size IMAXs in Indianapolis. So I went down to that, and they had a 70 millimeter nice. print. It was nice. pretty cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. You know, yeah. It did remind me a lot of A New Hope, but whatever. It's better than the, pre- better mm-hmm. than the prequels anyway. That's all I was hoping for. But anyway, yes, we're not, we're, was, anyway, we're not uh, doing an definitely. episode about uh, Star Wars. We're doing an episode. It's it's time for your favorite podcast about two old people complaining about technology. So should we talk about our sponsors? Yes, so uh, we have two sponsors, as usual, but uh, one different sponsor. So why don't you uh, do the shout-out to our first sponsor for tonight. So our first sponsor is a new sponsor tonight, and everybody should be very excited about them. It is Backup Pro, which is at backup-pro.com. That's backup-pro.com. It's not, it's, and it's a forward dash, not a backwards dash. And so Backup Pro is this, is like a backup module slash plugin, whatever they decide to call it for a bunch of CMSs. Uh, Like they do have one for WordPress and Expression Engine 2 and 3 and Craft CMS, which, uh, is a CMS that was made by some people who used to make expression engine stuff and then decided to make their own thing and then press the shop. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't I think I've heard of it, but I don't care. And Concrete 5, which I think is uh, is the name of a band. No, it's actually um, a CMS, Ed. You're, you're thinking of... Uh, oh, Yeah, not bad. Concrete 5. I know what band you're talking about, but it's not Concrete 5. Think of Concrete Blonde, maybe. Remember that yep. band, Concrete Blonde? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that song, uh, Moves Like Jagger. <laughs> so, uh, they've got uh, for the Maroon Blonde CMS, they also have a backup for that. Um, originally, I guess it was just an expression engine module, but it's been around for a few years, and they've uh, now have uh, versions for some different stuff like WordPress, not that popular, but you know, niche markets like that sometimes pay off. Um, it's, uh, I guess pretty granular or something. I don't know. Configurable. And, uh, makes backups of files and database stuff, things like that. And you can back it up to places like in local file system or S3 or Rackspace cloud files. If you want to hang out with those people, I don't know why you would, um, Google cloud storage. Is that a thing? I guess so. Never heard of it. I've never heard of it myself, of but I guess I Google's got to be doing something with all that all that data. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, FTP, if you want your stuff to be stolen. <laughs> um, 
and SFTP if you don't want your stuff to be stolen, uh, and Dropbox. Like, yeah, I guess you can put it on Dropbox. You can even email it to yourself if you uh, really like it to be stolen. So uh, you can do all those things, uh, or I guess some combination therein. But like, ha- I don't know. Maybe you could do like part of it on S3 and part of it in email. Or have it split into like 35 different emails. I'm not sure if that's possible, but you should ask them. And there's also an API. You can write your own storage locations. So like if you wrote something for, what was that? Uh, like maybe you made some kind of file services based on that that file system that the uh, that dude murdered his <laughs> Riser wife. Riser FS? Um, yeah, it was all Riser FS. Uh, definitely Send your data that. to the grave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it's safe. <laughs> Where the choppers won't spot it. We're such horrible people. This is is, is a terrible tragedy. We're making one. Um, It says it handles geometry and binary data. I don't know. Uh, My kid, I think, has a geometry test this week. So maybe this can help with that? I'm not. I don't know what that means. Uh, But uh, I guess it runs in uh, like crappy shared. Uh, hosting PHP environments because it doesn't use like exec or system stuff. So like a lot of times those shared things are shared hosting will block things like the exec function because uh, you know, bad stuff can happen with that if you get pwned. Oh, and it's got like a thing to check backup integrity in it and uh, somehow kind of ensure that they're usable. Um, And it'll let you know if you've missed backups or something failed. Uh, anyway, so it's not cheap, uh, because, you know, this is, we're not fooling around trying, they're trying to make some money off of this, right? Trying to make a dollar and a cent in this software business. Uh, now normally it's $99, but, but hold that's on. Free, that's hold freedom your horses. Dollars, not Canadian snow pesos. It's 99 freedom yeah, dollars. Right. Right now freedom dollars, but hold on. Hold on, hang on, hold your horses, wait a second, slow down, take a minute. minute. We got a coupon code. With coupon code DevHell, you save 50%. Half off. Boom. (laughs) That's only for people, you know, who listen. So you can go buy that shit right now if you're listening. Uh, Or uh, when you're, you know, listening on a recording of this, you can go check it out. Or if you get that newsletter, you can check it out. So it's special for just the Dev Hell listeners, which is pretty awesome, right? Because you know we bring you the good stuff. Pretty sweet deal. So again, that's it's a it's a sweet sweet deal. Uh, and we're gonna have links where there's exclusive Dev Hell trial versions that you can get. So you want to get your um, uh, Blonde Five uh, CMS backed up, and you want to try it out? You can try it out. Uh, there's going to be links in the show notes and stuff like that for them because they're super long. I could. Re- Do you want me to read one to you here? I'll read it down, guys. Write this down, okay? HTTP colon forward slash forward slash mithra sixty two dot com forward slash download underscore files forward slash c five underscore demos forward slash backup underscore pro dot c5 dot three dot two dot three dot zero dot zip so um i guess we don't need to put it in the show notes because i just read it out loud so you guys got it and 
anyway, you go to backup-pro.com with that uh, dev hell, all one word, all lowercase, D-E-V-H-E-L-L. You get that uh, set up there 50% off. So it's a super good deal. And uh, I'm pretty happy with it. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Eric, thank you for supporting the podcast. Yeah, pretty awesome of Eric. He's going to be a sponsor here for for a few episodes. And uh, we're pretty excited about that uh, because this check cleared. So, yeah, it all that all makes sense. And then we've got really kind of come down off my high here after I saw this wonder network. Um, they are providing the bandwidth. If you're listening to this live, uh, they were on the last episode, two thirds of the bit, the company. And it was, uh, we've received a number of complaints. Um, uh, a number of people uh, wrote in. There's a hashtag. It's hashtag garbage people. That is about it's specifically about Paul, Paul Reinheimer, um, co-founder of the company. Uh, uh, there were a number of uh, people boycotting uh, his his day job, uh, and I guess uh, Stripe had to release some kind of. Uh, sort of a statement about that, that distancing themselves from Paul Reinhardt. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, you would have to, you know, weigh the positives and negatives of working with certain people. This is a tough one, but they are going to continue to be a sponsor uh, through providing bandwidth and uh, IceCast hosting for us. So, I guess, I guess check out their stuff. I guess uh, a number of network testing tools and utilities. Uh, where it be? Uh, what's it up? Uh, checks out if your website uh, has that cool vibe that you need uh, when it's operating in Uzbekistan. So that's pretty much. I think it probably we shouldn't say anything more about them, but go check wondernetwork.com and perhaps perhaps we can come to some sort of detente, some sort of agreement that uh, the 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 hate can end and the healing can begin. The healing, yes, the healing can begin. Um, I don't, and that's that's what we got for sponsors. So thank you, Backup Pro uh, so. and Wonder network for your sponsorship of this episode so why don't we bring finally after having sit there and listen to us ramble for quite some and he's been very good he actually listened to our instructions to not say anything uh, until yeah, a lot of people, people don't, don't do that. until spoken to so let's welcome in jason jason hello hey hey jason myers who uh does some stuff a few things yes yeah. Um, oh, wait, Chris, did, were there any corrections or uh, updates? No, I did not receive any corrections or updates based on the last podcast, though I suspect there will be a few coming from this one. Yes, you're probably right. So uh, let's get back to Jason. Jason, why don't you tell the people about yourself a little bit? Um, sure. I'm a Python developer uh, most of the time and a little bit ago for uh, Cisco Systems, the people that make all the routers and uh, things. 
And I also uh, do a lot of community work running our local, help running our local user group, Pi Nash, and then I help run two conferences, Pi Tennessee and November. You work oh, for yes. Cisco. Have you Good ever culture. put a ba- uh, an insecure backdoor into your software? Every day. I was going to ask that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hear that awkward giggle? We know it's true. We know it's true. <laughs> well, I work on I work on the OpenStack side, so all that stuff's public. So goodness knows oh. what's what's buried in the recesses. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Don't worry. We'll be we'll we'll give you letters of reference after you just said that. Don't worry, Jason. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> And also, you also did something, not, not only are you a Python developer who does a little bit of Go, and not only do you work for Cisco, and not only do you help organize two conferences, you also wrote a book. I did. Uh, I recently wrote a book on SQL Alchemy, uh, the second edition to a book that uh, uh, I think was about nine years old. So uh, it was old enough that half of the library uh, that it was written about didn't exist when it was written. No, did you do a full rewrite? Yeah, uh, we kept uh, something like two and a half paragraphs from the original book. Oh my god! Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> it's kind of awkward. Um, well, I, yeah. I needed a way to get the word "cookies" in there a bunch, and that required a lot of rewrites to sneak that in there. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Cookies. Uh, so, so Is what? The, you, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. What, no, I want to know what happened to the first guy. Who, were, who? What happened to the person who wrote the first one? It was Rick, uh, and he. I, this is the part where I struggle to remember his his last name. Uh, oh, Rich Copeland. That's right. Um, okay. He wrote the first edition, and I'm not sure what happened. I'm sure they offered him to update it, and I think he uh, passed on that. It's a, it's a lot of work mm. to write a book, and the first edition was uh, fantastic at its time. Yeah, sure. I was going to make a joke about that he was dead, but then he might actually be dead. Oh, yeah, that would be awkward. And so I, I decided to not make that joke. But um, have you seen that movie, Copland? Because that's a good movie that Sylvester Stallone had a pretty good performance yeah, in Yeah, I thought that was one. I, I actually I saw that in the theaters, believe it or not. Um, and uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I did think it was really, really good. Kind of a, uh, a glimpse of... Uh, uh, Interesting of the kind of the dark underbelly of of the life of a cop. It was kind of it's kind of interesting. The idea that small little sleepy town, literally on the other side of the bridge from Manhattan, was kind of interesting. You know, it's fiction. Yeah, I right? know it's fiction. Okay, it wasn't a documentary. <sighs> it wasn't like a camera crew was following those guys around. So, Jason, uh, when people ask you what uh, SQL alchemy is, what do you usually tell them? Uh, I normally, uh, in the Python world, we often people are like, I use Django and, uh, I end up comparing it to the Django ORM and then explaining that, uh, one of the things that makes it a little different is that, uh, SQL Alchemy has a core component that lets you generate queries in a more SQL like fashion. So it's Python, it looks like Python code, but it's written more like a SQL statement, uh, in addition to its ORM. So it's a, it's extremely flexible, extremely powerful, and it's not really tied to the system that it is, um, so like Django and its ORM or um, what's another framework that your uh, listeners might be f- uh, familiar with as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe like Symphony and its ORM. Right. Or, or Cake Ooh. PHP and its ORM that has its own one. Yep. There you go. It's kind of tied to the system that it's in, right? It's, you know, wired around that request lifecycle and all of those kind of things. And uh, SQL Alchemy gives us a system that uh, gives us a standalone uh, set of kind of toolkit that we can use to do database things that isn't tied to a page lifecycle and can be used in CLI tools as well as APIs and all of those kind of things. 
Yep. Yeah, because I actually have used it before, and I found it. Uh, it was weird. I found it to be a tool that was actually. Uh, I mean, I found it easy to use, but it was really, really, really powerful as well. Like it was it kind of seemed like there was for me anyway. My initial experiences with it, there seemed to be no middle ground. It's like either really good at doing. Uh, you know, getting you started with some simple database stuff, but then it, you would go really, really deep to get it to try to do uh, anything else. I guess because some of it to my experiences uh, for a while, I used Doctrine um, and I got really heavily into the Doctrine query language and some of the other stuff. So it was kind of interesting to me. I mean, it's ORMs are, are they have their good points and their bad points in uh, uh, SQL uh, or SQL, whatever. Um, SQL Alchemy strikes me as like a really super uh. powerful tool and it really goes out of its way to, to try to stay um, database agnostic. Yeah, there's a there's a a lot of work that goes into that. Mike and the rest of the team. Mike Bayer is the gentleman who originated uh, SQL Alchemy and does uh, much of the work on it. But he has some other people that contribute as well. Uh, and I don't want to leave them out because it takes a it takes a small army to get all the things uh, that SQL Alchemy does together. But they do a lot of work on uh, being database agnostic, particularly uh, in the Python world. We have a standard uh, database API. Uh, that's a you know standard specification. So every way that we talk to a database kind of matches this uh, this DB API specification. And so uh, because he builds to that, uh, and then he lets the people who built uh, the DB API drivers, if you will, so the driver for Postgres and MySQL, they're really libraries, but I I think of them like drivers. You know, he uses he leverages those for each one, so he doesn't have to go around and. Uh, bring in you know all the specific features from each database. He's leveraging an existing library for each one of those. Uh, and he, the interesting thing to me is how much effort he puts into like new libraries that arrive onto the scene that do a particular thing. So as as the community evolves through what they like to use, he also evolves SQL Alchemy to match kind of how things are progressing through the community. And so do other people on that team. They add in things that they want to support. So like there are multiple ways to talk to MySQL. Uh, if you want to do that, you you know you can use Oracle's MySQL driver, or you can use a purely Python written uh, SQL driver. That's very exciting. Hello, Chris. I think he answered his phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I'm just here. sorry, little son. Why, Come why, on. Ed? You want to come over and tell my daughter to stop doing something? Is, is that what you want to do? Because that's what I. Because that's can, what I just had to do. So. Okay. Sorry, man. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Where were we? I, I was doing, t- talking about the drivers. Oh, it's kind of interesting that there's like a standard defined um, database API and that all these uh, other libraries and drivers, um, uh, Jason, if I understand correctly, because before the phone rang and I was talking to two different people at once, that uh, the, the people who do like the Postgres, uh, MySQL, you know, uh, SQLite, whatever ones they're trying to talk to, they, they try to write them against this particular API to keep them, keep it as, uh, as agnostic as possible. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, um, so there's a PEP. In the Python world, there's these uh, platform enhancement proposals or PEPs, uh, or maybe Python enhancement proposal, whatever. Um, But they're numbered, and there's a bunch of them. There happens to be, I think it's 249 uh, is the one for the Python database API. And so everyone who writes uh, database API drivers or database libraries kind of writes to that specification. And then... um, Tools like SQL Alchemy and Pony ORM and some of the other uh, database tools like Django can write against those specifications. And as long as they do the right thing in that specification, then the handoff to uh, the under you know the direct connection library is a little smoother. Uh, it's not saying there aren't 
exceptions to that, but in general, that provides a nice kind of contract of how the two things are going to interact. So how did you? So how did you end up writing this book? I mean, I mean, I've I've written several books, but smaller ones than the SQL Alchemy one that you wrote. But like, how did you even get involved in it? Like, what happened? Sure. Um, I think the general gist of the story is they went back to Rick and uh, Rick passed. And they approached Mike uh, Bayer, and he uh, was already under contract with another company. And Mike Ooh. said, there was this guy at PyCon who gave a talk on Core. Uh, you should go talk to him. And so that's how they reached. Mike redirected them to me and connected us up. And that's how I got the kind of the deal. I had to pitch what would I do to, to uh, Rich's original book and uh, go from there. And you said burn it. No, I didn't say burn it. I just think it had its right. time had uh, it, it. It just outlived the book. Lived longer than it probably should have because the library was undergoing a lot of transformations right when he published mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that'll do it. You know, we have a thing in PHP, uh, kind of like HEP. The those HEP things it, in it where people just scream at each other until the last one who's not crying. Uh, gets to commit the code. <laughs> That's the PSRs, right? <laughs> yeah, see, he's heard of them. This is awesome. Kind Actually, got- no, the P- <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. Well, the PSRs are, are much more civilized than that. They're just like uh, kind of yelling, not screaming. It's the it's the RFCs in the internals that has all the yelling and has all the yeah. screaming and crying. Because the the PSRs aren't written by the people who actually make the language. I mean, they might participate, but the PSRs are technically actually supposed to be representatives of frameworks working together to find make interoperable stuff. That was the idea, anyway. So uh, that is not actually the PSRs are not, and they're also just they're not even they're not official PHP things. It's just a group that sort of has kind of been. Sort of recommend stuff, but you know, that's anyway. It doesn't, yeah, there's less of the screaming that happens in the internals. I was going to say, Jason, what's it like in the uh, Python world with regards to like uh, strict adherence to the pep stuff? Do people get like lambasted in uh, uh, online stuff for writing, for creating code that, uh, that whatever uh, peps would be covering what they're trying to do? Uh, do they get lots of criticism for it? Is it one of the things where the Python community as a whole has firmly gotten behind all the, all the various peps? I mean, I know at work, I do a lot of Python now. So pep eight is one of the things, of course, I run into all the time having to make sure all my code is nicely formatted. But I'm just kind of wondering, you know, in the Python community, itself from what you've seen uh what's the feeling about the about about the peps do people stick to them really you know stick to them really tightly or or they're just kind of hand wavy thing like ah if i feel like doing it i'm gonna do it i think it depends uh on where you work for one and the second is depends on whether you need what that pep provides right um so like pep aid is pretty universal a lot of people either adhere to it or complain greatly about it um and then there's another there's another pep that's real popular for uh, like doc strings and those kind of things. That's pretty common because there happens to be tools built around that to produce nice looking documents from those uh, from those doc strings for like your modules and that kind of stuff. Uh, but some of the other things like uh, recently we've had uh, things like a hinting, like a type hinting uh, pep come through, and unless you happen to be running you know, brand new code and or a brand new version of Python and happen to like specifically be doing something with that hinting. 
you're probably not using that PEP. And while it's there and it's implemented in the language, it's not necessarily affecting every single user of it uh, today. So I think it really depends on what you're doing. Well, that's interesting. I wonder if it's in many ways kind of similar to what's going on with the PHP ones with the PSRs. Lots of people are like, I don't want to use that. And lots of people are very enthusiastically adopting them. I, th- I think some so of it too is that you need libraries to actually implement some of these things. So just because the language have it has it doesn't mean, you know, Django supports it or Flask supports it or, you know, any of the tools that you particularly use already support that. So yeah, I dig it. there's definitely mm-hmm. a lag between we're going to go create this thing and all of a sudden this is a reality. Sure. I'm still not running Python 3 on anything. What about you, Chris? Um, the stuff that I'm working with right now works with both. I think I have one of the VMs I use has 2.7 on it, but another one locally I'm doing stuff with 3 because that's one of the requirements uh, with Docker. So like I have a Docker container that's running in 3, but my machine's got 2.7 on it. So what I'm doing doesn't seem to be relying on any new... Uh, New versions, but I do believe the the main project that I'm doing the QA work for, they do all their dev work in Python three, and I just run the tests, and the tests don't seem to care too much one way or the other. Tests don't care. Well, tests do care, but but these ones they don't they're they're not doing anything that's PHP three specific as far as I can tell. I'm not sure. You said PHP three. Did I say PHP three? <laughs> Python three, nothing Python three. Specific. Nothing Python three specific anyway. All right, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but let's shift to the real reason. I think Ed wanted to have you on. Let's talk about those. Uh, talk about Pi Tennessee, where you always mistakenly uh, get Ed to do the keynote. I have no idea why. That's an <laughs> important thing. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we had Ed keynote last year. Um, I'm not sure how to describe Pi Tennessee because I only see the guts of it. I guess. Uh, but the way I'd like to think of it is it's a very laid back uh, community focused conference with as much emphasis on the feels of working in our career as there is on the technology with it that we're that we all kind of uh, gather around. So I like to think that we have, you know, plenty of soft talks and I don't even know that they really should be called soft talks, but that's what people refer to them as. I, I think that um uh, there's plenty of soft talks there. There's also plenty of talks focused around specific technologies. Uh, and I like to get a good, healthy mix of that. I don't actually pick the, any of the talks but the keynotes. Uh, and then our two main focuses, uh, depending on the day, uh, is uh, the first day we're there, we do a, a, a young coders thing where we teach them how to use Python to manipulate games and to break games and to build their own cheat codes. Uh, and we always send them home with some kind of computing device. So... Uh, this year, we sent them home with Chromebooks. Whoa, uh, in the past, nice. we've used. <laughs> in the past, we've always sent them home with Raspberry Pis, and we send them home with some books to continue learning and and continue playing mostly, uh, which is what we really want them to focus on. Uh, and then the Sunday, we really focus on uh, PyLadies, which is a, a fantastic organization that Python has uh, specifically built for uh, those who self-identifies uh, as female and want to be a part of that group uh, and the supporters of those people. Yes, I agree. As an attendee, I think that succinctly explains what the conference is like. Ed, are you playing a game while we're doing this? No, I got distracted by pie ladies. Because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like eating some pie. I know. I have some, uh, apple, pie. I have some pie. apple pie for dinner, so I got my. Bring it on, dog. I, I, there's a, some uh, friends of ours who do a pie day and they cook a bunch of pies and then I 
I go to the coffee shop where we all hang out and eat it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. But yeah, um, I think Pi Tennessee is awesome. It's one of my favorite conferences. That hurts, Ed. It's interesting because it's early in the year, so we get a lot of the talks that end up getting picked and selected to go to uh, PyCon as well, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Except for mine. And scene. <laughs> get a killer conversation. Isn't PEP 13 to do with mental illness? Yeah, I think so. It says don't include his talks at PyCon. So, have you gone to a lot of uh, Python conferences, um, Jason? Yeah, I uh, regularly attend uh, Pi Ohio every year. I've been to Pi Texas once. I've done PyCon several times. Uh, I've never done any of the overseas conferences. This year, I did Pi Gotham, which was uh, a great conference as well. Um, so, I've gone to several. Where, I did Pi Arkansas. Gotham? Wait, where's Gotham? Uh, in New York City. Is it like a borough? No, I think they just call it that, like for the Batman reference. Ed's being deliberately difficult, Jason. Just ignore him on this topic. Troll. Ed fancies himself some kind of comic connoisseur or something. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I think I might. Have you been to Pi, Ohio ever? Yes, every year uh, since I've got into Python. So about five years now. Cool. I think I'm going to that this year. That's um, that's one of my favorites, uh, mm-hmm. simply because I can drive there and I know the people there really well. Um, and it's it, I like the vibe that they have there because their conference is entirely free, um, and they take a big long break for lunch and it's on campus, so you can kind of walk to all the local restaurants nearby and kind of you know get, uh, get your feel that way. Uh, so you're not like trapped into the conference center the whole the whole day. Hmm. That's interesting. All free, you say? Yes. Chris, how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel people can run their conferences whatever the hell way they want. So what are some of the challenges that you have, uh, like, like from running PyTennessee? And you also, I, I should say, you also work on the November conference, don't you? Uh, Will Golden is the like principal driver of that conference, but I help raise some of the funds and focus on the sponsorship side of things. Right. So you're sort of a sidecar. That is correct. Kind of person. Yeah, okay. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. So with uh, Pi Tennessee this year, uh, uh, were there any special challenges or anything like that? I do remember that there was some a little bit concern about sponsorship stuff. Yeah. That it looked like that came together. It, I mean, for me, it looked like just like every other year, you know. Um, so we did have to cut a few things. Uh, what happened was I got, uh, I got personally ill myself. Uh, and oh, that really no, cut sorry. down basically a month's worth of time out of the fundraising adventure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know about everyone else's experience, but my experience with conferences is like raising the money requires like constant contact with all of these people mm-hmm. uh, that you're trying to solicit to invite to your event. And the other thing too is we don't accept every single sponsor. Um, oh, we specifically us. want certain kinds of people and people who are going to send certain people uh, to mm-hmm. the event. So we're, we're looking for you know people who want to send their developers more than their salespeople and that kind of thing, right? Or want to send you know systems engineers or those kind of things, and we want them mm-hmm. to actively participate. One of the odd things about Pi Tennessee is our conference; uh, all of our sponsors are in the way of the hallway track, if that makes sense. Yes, um, mm-hmm. it's a thing. I don't know why I've always done that, but I like having them in the flow of the conference so that they're not like off in a room barricaded 
you know, you can interact with them and they're just part of the normal flow of traffic. Uh, mm-hmm. But this year, it was just harder with losing a month and uh, it was just harder in general. To, I just think uh, we're kind of early in the year, so a lot of people, depending on when their fiscal year ends, has spent a lot of their budget. So this year, there was a little... A uh, little less money, and I'm glad that you said you didn't notice any cuts because we did make some, and I was self conscious about it the whole time. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't know. So if you didn't, uh, if you didn't notice, then I guess it came off correctly. But uh, we did have to cut young coders. Uh, we normally do o- around 20 spots, maybe a little more, a little less. Uh, this year we were only able to do 10, um, and we had to cut down the pie ladies. Last year we were able to match dollar for dollar, and this year we were only able to match up to five hundred. So th- some little cuts mm. like that, and then uh, we cut out some swag that just was we didn't feel was necessary this year. Right. So a lot of crying kids. A lot of crying kids. Thanks. <laughs> Chris, you've made a lot of kids cry. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, did you? <laughs> just my own kids. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, you two, you you were on a conference, yes. Chris. Talk about it. Well, this is not a in comparison. In, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's every conference is different. Every conference has different goals. I mean, uh, on the sponsorship sh- uh, sponsorship side of things, my uh, personal opinion is that money is money, and every little bit of money that. Uh, we get is money that we can then turn around and use to help um, pay for speakers to come and help pay for um, the food and all that stuff. So uh, unlike, unlike, uh, you know, Pi Tennessee where they're trying to, you know, they're trying to attract a, a certain type of people. We're like, we just want sponsors who want to get involved. We don't really care if they're trying to sell something or, you know, we have community level sponsors, you know, our, our, our big sponsor is Microsoft because they provide us with the venue. It's just, you know, every conference is, is kind of different. There is no right way or wrong way. Free conferences are great, but um, you know, at some point there is money involved, and either people are volunteering all their time to to do this, or you know, you're paying to have people come uh, and give talks. With our conference, the idea was that we wanted to uh, attract as many. Uh, high-level speakers as we could and also give other speakers, local speakers, Canadian speakers, a chance because really there are very, very few, uh, if any, PHP-centric conferences in Canada. It's basically us and Confu that has a... And Confu is a humongous conference and it only has one PHP track. So, I mean, our our goal is is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And to make a woolly mammoth, and yeah, we had the idea to do the woolly mammoth. So those turned out; those turned out quite well. I, I personally don't mm-hmm. think anyone's going to be able to top that in terms of a customized um, PHP elephant. All the other ones are just boring compared to a nice furry one with tusks on it. I just don't see how you, how you top that. I think it's a hell of a mic drop thing to do, given that we're doing this conference one last time this year, and then there will be no more True North. Just time to go do other things. Um, I have, I have yep. other conference ideas and things I want to do. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be making kids cry after next well, year. Well, you know, if, if the kids are going to cry, then the kids are going to cry. It's not necessarily my fault. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Hypersensitive kids should probably be staying home anyway. Oh, have you ever made uh, like furry uh, woolly pythons? <laughs> no, never come close to that. Uh, we've always kept our swag pretty simple. Um, some kind of nice like shoulder sling bag. Uh, and a t-shirt kind of thing. No, no woolly mammoths. Although that does sound awesome. And I've seen pictures of the ones from uh, true North. Cause I have a uh, bunches of friends in the PHP community. And I originally uh, did some of my first talks in the PHP community uh, here locally. So I, I follow uh, 
what happens with a lot of the conferences, Sunshine and Drew North and such. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's kind of a thing that, you know, regarding conferences, one of the things you mentioned with Sunshine was that, uh, well, you didn't mention this thing, but you mentioned Sunshine PHP, was that um, Adam Culp, uh, you know, sort of did a, uh, something I really liked, which was, I guess, sort of a post-mortem on his conference and things that went well and things that didn't go well. And then he also did a thing where he covered all the different um, code of conduct uh, uh, violation incidents that they had to investigate oh. and gave a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, you know, not, it was anonymized, but gave pretty, you know, detailed things about, uh, you know, okay, this is what happened and we did this. And then, you know, X, Y, Z happened with this or, you know, they had left, so we couldn't do anything or what have you. And I was wondering um, if you had seen that, Jason, and kind of what you thought of that, because it was one of the, this is, I cannot recall another, uh, another time where, where, and I can understand why conferences wouldn't want to do this, where they, he kind of, you know, said, these are the things that happened. And this is, you know, was very, very transparent about it. And I thought that was really interesting. And actually, I wonder what both of you guys thought of that. Um, I, I, I can I can speak for me because uh, you know True North had a code of uh, conduct. Um, I mean, if I was on the PHP internals, I would have been voting in favor of a code of conduct. I'm not so sure the one that they picked mm-hmm. is the one that I would want, but I right. believe there is a very strong need for there to be accountability for people's um, actions. Um, you know, it's like this whole free like speech free thing, speech. right? People think that. Uh, Free speech is about you have the ability to say whatever you want, and there's no consequences for the things that you've said. Is what I mean, especially this is a, especially this is a, a very um, uh, U.S. centric view of things. In Canada, we do not have a constitution with amendments. There is in Canada, there is not unlimited free speech. You can and will be pursued by the government for saying certain things because Canada, as a, as a society, passed a bunch of laws saying that we're cool with people saying these things, but not these other things. I mean, people have gone to jail for things like uh, Holocaust denial and stuff like that. So right. my personal right. feeling is that the idea that you can just run an event and just basically cross your fingers and expect everyone without prompting to behave correctly is ridiculously naive. Because time and time again, just just look at what Adam talked about, Right. The mm-hmm. idea that that stuff only happened at this year's edition of Sunshine, I, a PHP, it, it, I, I think is ridiculous. These things happen all the time. Uh, conferences for other programming communities, they have the same issues of people just behaving poorly and behaving in a way that the rest of the people attending should not be okay with. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I applaud, I applaud uh, Adam for doing this. You know, when I made my little comment, I did a comment about it, and he asked me via private message, was I, like, trying to poke fun at it, or was I, you know, what side of it was on? I'm like, I'm positive, two thumbs up for having a code of conduct, and, and then all all five, all five both hands doing the uh, raise the roof thing for uh, for actually talking about violations and how they were dealt with. I mean, it's, it's clear that, you know, I, I've, you know, Ed and I have talked about this in private a ton too. I really dislike these uh, developers on spring break attitude that 
seems to permeate many conferences, not just the PHP mm-hmm. ones, but other ones as well. Like, I don't know about other people, but I go to these conferences to actually learn stuff and talk to people uh, that are new on the scene that I want to talk to. And yes, to go see uh, old friends that I've made over the years. But like, how many times do I have to read tweets about people getting ridiculously drunk at a conference? How many times does it seem that speakers are making jokes about being hung over in the morning? It's like, you know, like, if someone's paying you to be there, like, I feel like it's like, uh, if the conference paid for your flight, it's like, that's a pretty big disrespectful thing. You come there and you get yourself so drunk, so tired, so wasted, so whatever, that you can't deliver the high quality talk that they were anticipating you were going to do. I mean, I just, but if you talk about these things in public and I'm one of the few people that does, I'm, I'm sure I get labeled as a fuddy duddy or just a grumpy old man or whatever. It's like, man, just, just, I just wish people would cut that shit out. Like if I want to binge drink, I'll just stay home. I don't need to fly halfway across the continent and sit with my friends and get drunk and be stupid. Like, it's just, that's not what I go to conferences for. And I just find increasingly more and more people are treating these events as an excuse um, to get drunk and act ridiculous on somebody else's dime. So, yeah, I I think I'm going to get labeled into that fuddy-duddy category as well. Um, One of the things that I'm super... Uh, focused on and we've always been focused on is uh, getting a wide range of people at Pi Tennessee. And uh, we have always had every year uh, several extremely young uh, attendees. Uh, this year, for example, uh, I called out specifically the Harpeth Hall uh, Girls School Coding Club. We, every event that has like the official Pi Tennessee seal, whatever that means, uh, but every event that we put our name on, it must be alcohol free, must be open to those attendees, all those kind of things. So the code of conduct is very uh, picky. Uh, we use the Py- Python or PyCon code of conduct for most everything. But our uh, her, our procedures for attendees uh, who makes the complaints, our procedures for how we're going to handle that complaint are all part. We we you know are all published and online more than just our code of conduct. Um, So it's pretty clear uh, what can happen to you uh, to the point of where we'll revoke your travel grant. If you flew all the way across the uh, country and then decided to uh, perform some some kind of harassment, Uh, if I mean, our we're pretty direct about it. And I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty non uh, I don't make any jokes about it when I get up there to talk about it at the event either. I'm pretty serious about it. Our, my number, my direct cell phone number is on every single board everywhere in the conference that I can find a place to put it. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know what to, to add uh, that would really add to what Chris said there, but we're very uh, picky about it at Pi Tennessee. Uh, we would publish a non-named account of what occurred. Um, mm-hmm. The non-name part is important to us. We don't, uh, it's not our job to decide that someone should lose their job because of how they acted. But it is our job to protect and defend our attendees uh, from this kind of behavior. Yeah, I dig you. I dig you. I mean, when I, I mean, the last conference I was at when I went to PHP World, um, you know, when everything was over and the night after everything was done, um, 
a bunch of us sat in the at the bar and drank and I paid for a bunch of drinks and you know and we have too much to drink probably but I felt like everything was done conference was over nothing else was going on in the morning it's just it just seems like it's a maybe it's the problem is the people that I follow on Twitter it's a non-stop series of tweets about this person's drinking this person's drinking let's have this drink let's have that drink and then people tweeting the stupid stuff that people are doing and there's the pictures of people acting like morons it's like like whatever happened to like professionalism and and acting like uh, acting like an adult instead of like you're still in college or something when you know when you're in your when you're in your early to mid 20s you're supposed to be like working all that stuff out and figuring out the type of person that you want to be and if you're still doing it when you're like in your 30s 40s 50s whatever that represents like a problem and um, it just you start dragging everybody down around you and it's like I don't want conferences I go to just to be a non-stop drinking party just I don't like it at all. Yeah, we just, it's just not part of our conference at all. Um, we have people who want to throw parties uh, around our event and we, you know, heavily discourage that. And thankfully all of our sponsors that have ever thrown a party have been on board with, um, with what we uh, ask and what we want to do. And again, it comes back to, we have young people who are very interested in learning how to do this craft, this like thing that leads us to this dark place of suffering, uh, but they're interested <laughs> in computers. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important for us to have fun. It's important for us to have a good time. It's important for us to learn, but we're also uh, demonstrating to these kids that are in young coders, to the young attendees who are in the regular conference, you know, we're, we're demonstrating to them through our behavior and through the way that we talk to everyone, um, how you should behave, right. And what kind of example you should have. And so that's kind of the thing I, uh, I, I really push at Pot Tennessee and yeah, you're right. I'm uh I'm kind of a buzzkill on that point. Oh, I was joking. <laughs> no, it's pretty true. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure during my opening announcement, it's like everyone's excited that we came. And then as soon as I get to the code of conduct slide, everybody's like, is he going to talk about this again? But you know what? I am. And, and we always have, and we always will. Uh, as long as I'm running the conference, that will be one of the things that I am most leery of and most scared of. Cause I, I want everyone to come and have a good time. I want, you know, girls from Harpeth hall and young boys from other schools to be able to come there uh, do young coders or, or participate and, and have a good time and be treated as a human who's interested in Python, not have some kind of, you know, religious, racial, sexual label applied to them that really isn't important in the scheme of that weekend. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I don't know, guys, I uh, like drinking and snapping bra straps, so I'm not sure what your problem is. It's always one. Who does that? I don't know. I think There's, I was born in the that, wrong generation or something. <laughs> I don't When Adam Culp was posting, they were like snapping bra, like, well, not bra, like swimsuit straps. Like, what? who does that? Chris, do you do that? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I never did. It seems like a really bad idea. I don't know. Just, you know, why would you know, people have different ideas of. I don't you know, before we move on to a much happier topic, I think a lot of this stuff can be summed up that my experiences have been that um, you can put people into um, into two buckets when it comes to how they deal with other people. You have folks who think everybody else is like them, and you have the folks that understand that nobody else um, is like them. And, and, that, and both those things, if taken to their extremes, um, 
you know, can cause a lot of problems. I'm sure a lot of people's to link back to the idea of, of, of mental health. When you feel like nobody else, when you feel like everyone has the same problem, you don't feel like you actually have a problem. But when you feel like nobody else is like me, that's where the depression and unwillingness to, um, unwillingness to, to, you know, re- not unwillingness is the wrong word. And I think reluctance to seek help is probably the better yeah, term. Social isolation. Right. The social isolation. Right. So but, I think the yeah. problem is a lot of the people who are, uh, getting in trouble and doing the type of things that Adam talked about. I think those are people in the bucket who think everybody else is like them, that everyone mm-hmm. else, they find this behavior acceptable. Therefore, everyone else finds this behavior acceptable. Therefore, there's no filter. There's no stopping. They just go and do it. Um, cause, or, or, you know, just again, because they, because it's a, it's, it's part of being empathetic towards other people's understanding that other people, think differently about things in you, feel differently about things in you. And your failure to recognize that is what always leads uh, or, an, or not, or an unwillingness to recognize that this person that you're doing this thing to might not share your opinion on this is the correct thing to do. I mean, I read that thing too. And I was like, I could not believe I'm like thinking uh, when I read those things, uh, you know, and Adam talked to me uh, about some of the stuff afterwards and I'm not going to repeat it, but it yeah. was like, like just reading those. I'm like, people were really doing that. Like, yeah, yeah. And you read that and you're like, and yet people say that, oh no, we don't need codes of conferences. Why can't we just tell people to be nice, to be professionals? Because you can't, because there are people um, who are, are doing that sort of stuff. And just, those are just the things that were reported. Who knows what other stuff happens that people are either embarrassed or just simply unwilling to talk about because they fear the, uh, they fear the consequences of speaking about it. And I that's mean, something I'm super worried about too at our event is I don't want people to suffer silently. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this goes in many ways, certainly since we're talking about code of conduct, that's, that's what I have in mind here. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want someone to feel uncomfortable reporting an incident. That's why we try to make it so easy, uh, as easy as possible and spell out exactly what's going to, uh, what's going to be asked of you and what we're going to say to you, uh, pretty clearly. So I, I, I'm with Chris here. I, I I think some of it uh, also stems from that some people's humor is kind of pushing the boundaries and the edges. And I think there just needs to be a, a, a hard line there that just says this isn't a place where you push the boundary or an edge, right? Uh, sometimes a properly placed curse word is the funniest thing on the planet. Uh, but that's different than making someone feel uncomfortable in their own skin. Right, right. And, you know, it's funny because I it's not funny. It's just it's interesting because. Even, you know, I gave a talk uh, at this Pi, Tennessee, and one of the pieces of feedback I got was good talk, but I wish there was less swearing. And I was like, I'm not sure that I would, you know, do it, but I'd keep that in mind. You know, different people have different, you know, uh, thresholds of stuff. That's true. And, uh, and, and so I try to, you know, if, if I, if I feel strongly that, uh, I could say the same thing with it by, but use different words or things like that and still get it across. And that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, I took that under advisement. I'm probably never going to be a guy who, uh, doesn't ever, you know, swear in a talk, but, but you know, different people have to have different kind of vibes with that and that's okay. You know, and, and, that's, you know, we have, we joke around about a bunch of stuff, say on this podcast that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, we don't necessarily bring that into, the full conference environment when Chris and I are at a conference or something like that, you know, we might do it if we're broadcasting, but it's a little different because people select, they choose to come and listen and they can, they know what they're kind of getting into. Whereas, you know, it's a larger group and, 
it's just, you know, we're just trying to be respectful of everybody and, and make sure that they don't feel uncomfortable and put upon uh, by something uh, when it's absolutely not necessary. So, you know, uh, you know, just that there's, there's different spaces and there's uh, spaces where uh, you kind of understand that maybe you, uh, it's a large enough group where, you know, you don't necessarily want to make a bunch of uh, horrible uh, jokes about the Holocaust. Uh, so maybe, uh, maybe Chris stop making those jokes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I had to remove slides about that anyway. <laughs> the ultimate joke, though, is my background being German. Uh, my mother taught at a Jewish private school for a couple of years, so it's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah? yeah it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, there, there were a lot of Jews in Germany. Yeah, they were. And I don't know if they knew that my mom was German. It would be interesting. <laughs> my, uh, well, my last name is like a German-Jewish name. Yeah, Ratfinkler. What? 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 You broke up there a little bit, Ed. Rat? Rat? Rat Finkler. I don't know what you're talking about. Just Finkler. There's no rat. Oh, there is a rat, all right. I found a copy of Mouse, you know, like the comic. M-A-U-S, yes. Yeah, in, in at my kid's school library. Well, they're a charter school, so they're a little bit out there. Yeah, right. It's a big swastika on it. It's scaring the crap out of me. I don't know. It, it didn't bother me. I was just, you know, whoa, hey, hang on. What's going on here? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, on that note, um, Chris, why don't you tell, uh, tell Jason why he was dumb for not self-publishing? <laughs> All right. Are we ready? How much time we got? All right. So... <laughs> this can only go bad. Well, no. Okay. So here, here's, okay. So people ask me about self-publishing versus going with like an established publisher, like, um, like O'Reilly or something. Right. So O'Reilly. what I tell people is that, um, you can make way more money off of fewer sales by publishing yourself, provided you're willing to spend a tiny bit of time learning marketing. And this is the part where most developers just um, um, they tune it out because they think they think sales and marketing uh, is like a bad thing. I mean, I've worked with lots of people who like would call the salespeople where they work. They would call them as they would call them sales weasels. And then I would point out to them, you realize it's only their ability to sell things that allows you to continue to get a paycheck. So if you want to keep making fun of the sales and marketing people, that's fine. Just realize you're cutting off. Uh, uh, an avenue that uh, to more money and increased exposure because the sales and marketing techniques that you that you can teach and I used to be terrible at this but I taught myself so so if I can teach myself to do this pretty much anyone else can it's just about learning how to to uh, make convincing arguments about things and this can also then start going not just from like promoting a book but into your actual day job I mean most people have to have a meeting. They're in meetings with people where they have to present their ideas and try to convince other people that your ideas are good. Because this is where a lot of developers get um, get all twisted up and they end up leaving jobs because they never learn how to communicate to other people the things that they want or why the good things that they're suggesting are actually good. So having said that, I understand the path of self-promotion is not for everyone. My initial feelings, because uh, I actually have met Jason before very briefly at another conference. 
And but just from talking to Jason and getting an idea based on his his social media stream and, and his thoughts here, I imagine Jason's probably not super comfortable pimping his book out like I would be. So that's the thing, that's the trade-off you're making between going with an established publisher or going um, self-publishing. Self-publishing requires you to promote your stuff yourself. And if you're willing to do that, you can make way more money. I know for a fact that I have made more money off of a very small volume of my books than people that I know who have written books for O'Reilly and other publishers. It's, it's, it's just how it is. You're giving up a whole bunch of money in exchange for the publisher doing the things that you're uncomfortable doing yourself. So the publishers are supposed to be helping you with the technical editing side of things, the actual editing, plus marketing and getting your, uh, book in front of people's eyeballs in the hopes that they buy it. When you self-publish, you do all these things themselves. Luckily for me, I am extremely comfortable both talking about myself, how good I am, how smart I am, how handsome I am, and how good my books are. So that's not a problem. Self-publishing really, really works for me. For other people, maybe not so much. If you lack the confidence, if, if, you, if you feel like you, you, know, you, you really can't get down with the idea of learning how to sell and market not just the things that you do, but yourself, then yeah, go traditional route. But be aware that these companies are taking money that should be going into your pocket and they're putting into their pockets and they're probably not doing as hard a job selling this thing as you would if you were doing it yourself. Yeah. I'll let that stand as it is. Um, I, I, for me, writing a book was was. Uh, a totally different experience. Um, I love books. First of all, I, I, I don't make it any secret that I'm a huge hermit. Uh, there's no place I'd rather be than my house with a cup of coffee piled up with all my dogs on top of me reading a book. Um, for me, I wanted to write for O'Reilly, um, a, because they asked and I probably wouldn't have done it otherwise because I have, um, as Chris adeptly pointed out, I am not running around proclaiming that I am the greatest program ever. Uh, or that I'm good at much of anything. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty good, pretty self-deprecating when it comes to that point. Uh, people normally tell me. Uh, but there was something for me about, okay, I know I'm not going to make a bunch of money if I, even if I publish this book myself, I might make more. Um, but I probably wouldn't finish it. Uh, I probably wouldn't even start it. And then the other part was, uh, I have read O'Reilly books uh, since I was way young. Um, and so there's always been kind of like this special place in my mind. That's like, this is an O'Reilly book, right? There is an animal on the front of it. It's the pink text on the front. Like I, I know which books are in the pink series and which ones are in the blue series. And, uh, I know some of those things just because I've read so many books like that. And, uh, for me, it wasn't about the money. It was more about, uh, the experience of having the chance to do it. And then uh, for me, there was something about holding that first copy, whether I ever sold another one after that point, but something about holding that first copy and looking and saying, there is an animal book that exists in this world with my name on it, besides some other dude's name who was way smarter than me, uh, who wrote the first edition of that. That was uh, honestly one of the few times, I hate to even say this, that I felt somewhat prideful. Because <laughs> um, uh. to me, that was like finally I have done a thing, right? Um, I can't really point to any of my software and be like, this has made a significant difference or any of those kind of things. But I, I can look at that and say, this is a finite, concrete accomplishment. Um, my work prior to becoming a developer was all in the system side. And so there are lots of concrete 
you know, buildings and stuff that I built the networks for and designed the data centers for and that kind of stuff that I can point to. But there's not really anything like that in my in my software world, if that makes sense. Well, you should be proud. It is an accomplishment to get through a book and get it done and get it published and get it out there and get it printed and into somebody's hands. So you should feel proud. It's a, it's, I mean, for every person that starts a book, uh, an, inc- an incredibly small number of them actually finish it. And then an even smaller percentage of that eventually gets it out there where somebody can, uh, where somebody can actually buy it. But it's, it's interesting though, like some of the people I, I talk to who I think would be prime candidates to write books, they're people who are promoting their stuff already on Twitter. So it's not like I'm telling, uh, no, like I wouldn't be pushing someone like you, uh, Jason, to, to like go the self-publishing route. But there's some people who like, I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to spend time? Mark and said, all you do is tweet about blog posts you have done and blog posts other people have done. It's like, clearly you're comfortable with like writing your ideas down and presenting themselves to somebody else. In many ways, a book is just a collection of a whole bunch of ideas that you are then presenting and giving to somebody else. So, I mean, like, I, I know you kind of talk about how you feel weird being um, prideful about it, but, but, Dude, it's not a lie to say that what you did is a big accomplishment. And, you know, uh, you know, for people, the, the, the weird thing for me is always to discover, um, cause I, I of course I joke about being supremely confident in my own abilities. I am confident in them up to a certain point because one of the things I did learn is what my limitations are. So for me, it was always a good thing to find from somebody else that I didn't know who's read my stuff and find out what they got from it. And then when they got something good out of it, that's how I knew that what I did, on top of the money, because the money has been really nice, but on top of all that stuff, the goal was to teach people how to do stuff. The money's just a good, um, it's just a good side effect. And I decided I wanted to keep as much of that money for myself because I saw no reason to share that money um, with a publisher. I mean, Lean Pub takes a very, very small. Um, percentage of it. And I'm very happy that they handle all the payment stuff and, and that I have a really good relationship with them. And, you know, royalties ranging from anywhere from like 500 to two grand, depending on the month, flow into my PayPal account every single month. And that's money that then I can then turn around and spend on other things to, you know, to fund my hobbies or, or pull money out to buy something that the, that my wife wants to buy for the house. So, uh, I mean, writing books you know, people say it's funny. It's usually publishers telling you that don't expect to make a lot of money from a book, and that's because they're taking most of the money. So, be very. I, I would be very suspicious of publishers uh, telling you um, about the power of books and publishing them. You can do it yourself if you're willing to do the the selling yourself. If you're not, then by all means, if you have an idea, you want to get it out there, go with a traditional publisher. Just go into it with your eyes open. Um, you know what you're giving up by letting someone else do all the marketing and stuff for you. That's all. I think you have to, you know, you have to decide what you want out of the book uh, and what your goals are. I have your books, Chris. Uh, I've read uh, several of them. In fact, uh, back when I was uh, first getting switching from systems to programming, you threatened to leave a horse head in my bed after I made a, (laughs) uh, like a test (laughs) testing video online or something um, and published it. I wish I would have kept that screenshot. It would have been great to like, have forever um but uh little did i know i would need it today right um (laughs) but um so i read your your books back then and i think it really just depends on the kind of person you are i am so bad at self-promotion i i just don't do those things um for the money thing i guess really i don't know they were never uh 
you know, O'Reilly was never like, you're not going to make a bunch of money at this or any of those kind of things. They were already, you know, they were pretty clear about how the book sold the first time and, um, you know, what they were hoping to have this version do and that kind of thing. And um, for me, without someone like uh, Don, who was my editor, uh, kind of pushing me to keep me going and, uh, you know, kind of helping me fix, I'm, I'm pretty terse, uh, if that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. uh, she was good about helping kind of draw out more uh, verbal fluidity rather than just like a smattering of things on the page. Uh, and so if I would have self-published, I, I don't think that people would have gotten as much out of the book uh, as I've heard people say they've gotten out of this. Now, whether they're just saying that to be nice or whether they mean it is a whole nother story. Uh, but uh, I would like to think that, or at least in my head, uh, the position of having someone like Don, uh, which I could have bought, a, I, I could have hired an editor outside of all of this, right? Uh, and done it on my own, but having someone like the editor and the support team around it for me has made a difference. Uh, but I completely see your point on uh, what you're talking about. And I'm talking about doing another book, and I would still do it the same way I've done this one. Uh, simply based on the fact that I'm not going to be the person that goes on Twitter and tweets every day that I have a book or every other day or once a week, even, or probably even this month, um, that anything has happened. In fact, I'm not sure the last time I tweeted a book unless I tweeted about my book, unless it was on sale and you could get it for half price. And I thought it was worth that amount of money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I I don't know. I think it's, everyone's got a kind of a different view and, uh, I also don't have the online persona of like, you should follow me because I'm a thought leader or whatever. Um, so I don't really think that's a, that would work for me. Right. Like I think people, uh, look at the grumpy programmer as a a brand and I hate to like, maybe that's not the appropriate way you want to think of that, but I I kind of think of that as like a a brand. It's no, no brand is the correct word is I had to decide on, on like an, uh, literally something to, to publish these things at and come up with a persona that, um, that I would be comfortable promoting. No, it's uh, the grumpy programmer is, it's totally a brand. It 100% is. So there's imagine a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> me in it. Um, but you know, the Linux hermit, that could be a brand of its own, you know, it, it could, except for the book would say, don't touch me. Don't <laughs> touch my coffee. Bring me cookies. Leave me alone. And that would kind of be like it. And that would be all you would get. <laughs> like here's five pages. There's a sentence per page. And then a link to like some docs where you could go read some stuff. It's like, how do you use um, SQL alchemy without actually talking to me? Yes, that would probably be the book. The don't talk to me. I don't, I don't know what you want to do. Uh, no, I, I love helping people and I, I'm very good one-on-one. I'm not good in crowds and I really don't understand Twitter at all. I use it and I, I use it to promote the conference and that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't tend to tweet like everything I do or everything I write or and and um, everyone has a different approach to that. Um, and I think the people that do a great job, like I, I think your marketing, your brand is an effective brand. Um, but I don't think the Linux Hermit brand or Jason as a person is, is very effective at that. I, I've certainly read marketing things and I have an extreme appreciation for uh, the value that sales and marketing brings to an organization. I mean, um, there's not, it's, it's hard to think of a, a bigger picture of that for me than where I work. I mean, there's, there's tons of, you know, sales people and sales engineers and systems engineers to back those people and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I have a healthy respect for those people that can do those things. It's just not a a talent or a focus that I have. Um, 
that uh, stare at your shoes while you try to tell someone to buy a copy of your book really just <laughs> doesn't work as well as you think. Because <laughs> no I'm definitely not going to look at their shoes. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like I just tell people like, yeah, self-publishing, you can make a lot of money, but you just have to be willing to do the promotion yourself. And if you're not comfortable with it, then you're not comfortable with it. I mean, I'm certainly not going to twist people's arms and, and force them and say, you know, Jason, there's you are dumb for going with O'Reilly. O'Reilly is a big recognized brand. Um just simply because of the way O'Reilly does things with their um, Safari program and other stuff, lots and lots of people will read um, read what you've written, and that's really the main goal to put that information in front of as many people as possible. Like I said, all the money I've made um, has been a nice side effect, but it, uh, but the goal was to uh, teach people how to do stuff that I had learned and that I thought other people should know how to do. And you know, Safari, you brought up Safari. That's an interesting thing to me. Um, more people have read my book that way than any other way. And I don't use Safari. Uh, it, I know that probably sounds crazy. They give, a, give me a subscription, but I'm one of those people I have to like hold tech books. Um, it's hard for me to read things just online that are technical. If you give me a fiction book, I'm going to put it on a Kindle and pour through it, right? But if you give me a technical book, I'm going to want to understand it. I'm going to want to touch it. That's interesting. We all interesting uh, mental block that you have there, where you have to yeah. have a technical, technical book because that's all it is. That you have to have a technical. There's if the idea that you can read fiction on a screen, but technical things in your hand. It's just it. I mean, uh, I know it sounds like I'm picking on you, but it's not really. It's just a mental block. Some people. Some people are the same way. They're like, I can consume tech stuff on uh, on my screen on my computer, but for like a fiction book, then I, I have to have the book in my hand. Me personally, um, I do both. Some books, sometimes I'll buy a, a paper copy of a book. Sometimes I'll buy the PDF. You know, sometimes I'll just get the PDF. These days, the only thing that I insist on having the physical uh, copy because I'm turning into a ridiculous hipster snob as I get older is music. I only buy mu- only only thing I music stuff. I have my um, Apple Music subscription because I listen to a lot of music at home. But music that I actually buy, I only buy if it's on vinyl now because I have a record player in my in my home office, and I listen to stuff all the time on my record player. So it's it's just it's just a mental block. There's no reason for it. There's no reason other than me being a ridiculous snob that I want to have vinyl rather than purchase um, purchase uh, bits that are flipped and generate music. But something about for me being able to have that book open beside me as I'm coding along with the example and working through a problem as opposed to trying to like flip to a PDF from back and forth and those kind of things. Um, I just find it easier to read from the book and I don't tend to read fluffy tech books. Um, when I read them, I tend to go grab and, and grab pretty, pretty deep things when I go to read. Um, I think everybody's different in that respect. Uh, I certainly read uh, books that aren't like, you know, theory books on a regular basis, but uh, that are specific about a library or a particular technology or, you know, like in your case, the testing methodology books. But uh, I do tend to read a lot of, you know, older books uh, around technology. Yeah, because a lot of people are reinventing shit that people invented in the 1970s. That's for damn sure. What about you, Ed? Do you have a preference for books? I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know how many books you read, but do you prefer the physical copies? Do you uh, prefer digital? What's, uh, you know, what's your take on this? I'm not much of a reader. So, no. Um, I found that it's gotten to the point where I'm annoyed with paper copies of books because I can't like, it's not 
bright enough and I can't see it as well. And like, it's a pain. I can't read it at certain angles and I don't know. So I have switched to pretty much just using digital stuff, uh, for everything. And I don't read a lot of, uh, um, fiction, uh, it's mostly nonfiction, uh, and, uh, you know, so I do have, I do get some technical books and most of the time I do tend to read, uh, on, uh, say Kindle. Um, so, and that might be on my phone. I read a lot, like the last, last book I read that wasn't some sort of technical reference was that book, um, command and control, uh, about um, uh, nuclear weapons safety in the uh, U.S. military, and it's actually a super interesting book. And uh, I actually read that mostly on my phone. Uh, I read some on my laptop, but mostly on my phone. Uh, so it's good that I have a big phone, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, yeah, I. I, I think it's I I personally get kind of distracted with having like the the I can never it's like the book I can't prop it up at an angle where I so I keep having to move my head around and like it never seems like it's open at the right place and I don't know the struggle just, is real the, I know man it's rough stuff <laughs> this is rough stuff man I'm from the streets <laughs> but um yeah it's uh. It's a, it's definitely a thing where I've pretty much given up on paper copies. Also, I just find like, I, I would keep buying, I, I have, um, like bought books in, in, in print editions. And I was just, I just never read them ever, you know? And I just got, I eventually learned my lesson that I just didn't need to do that anymore. So I just, I just get, uh. I just read them on my Kindle. Uh, 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 excuse me. Oh my God. Uh, late nights for me. Um, it's uh, so yeah. I just read them usually in the Kindle apps, and uh, yeah, that is that is how I read. I'm trying to think of what was the last. I bought a technical book. I bought one of Chris's books and read like two pages of it. Let's see what else I got. Yeah, here. it shows in um, your habits. Ed. Yeah, I don't really write any tests. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Jason thinks you're joking. We know the truth. I write some tests sometimes. Um, and once you graph all your test results, buddy. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I ain't gonna. Happen. Uh, what's that graph database? Oh no, that's I have that book. That book again. I bought. I have Docker for Developers by Chris Tankersley, yep. um, which I got distracted from reading. Uh, because we didn't end up doing Docker stuff as soon as I thought we would, because we got busy doing other stuff. Um, technical books. I did read a lot of Java a Beginner's Guide Sixth Edition, which was uh, interesting. Oh, Learning Salt Stack, which is actually a really good book on Salt Stack. Um, and I did read a fair bit of that, but like all these are just Kindle books. I just don't even bother buying hardcover anymore. Yeah, for, Not hardcover, yeah, but print. but print edition. And for me too, like oh, there's so much yeah. room in your in your house or wherever you're living for books anyway. That's kind of the point I'm at where I have I have too much stuff and not enough places for it. And especially as as we gear up with the long term plan to move in a year and a half, we're already starting to look at getting rid of stuff. Got to get rid of the same. My bookcases overflowing with stuff so no more um 
yeah, I'm gonna keep the gonna keep the paper books uh, to a minimum, but uh, I'm gonna keep piling up the vinyl. That's for sure. I'm excited because uh, two more two more records are on their way to me. The latest Foo Fighters EP I ordered that, so that should be coming soon. And then uh, my favorite rock band of all time, The Cult, their latest album is coming its way to me on like double thick vinyl. And I'm gonna go see them. I'm gonna go see my first concert in about 25 years. I'm gonna go see The Cult um, at the end of March. They were the nice. they were the last. I, they're either the last band or second last band that I saw uh, at a concert. That's how long it's been since I've been to one. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, my wife, my wife is the same way on the physical books. She's she's way over my collection of them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, I mean, let's see. We've been doing this for an hour and a bit. Uh, anything else you want? Because I think we pretty much covered all the stuff we wanted to kind of talk about uh, with our various topics. And, uh, uh, anything uh, that you're doing coming up that you'd like to uh, plug, Jason? Because I know you got November, but that's not till November. So it's quite a ways out. Uh, unless you want to talk about that event a little bit before we wrap things up. I can share a little bit about it. Uh, the CFP will open before too long. We always start our call for papers way in advance of the event. Uh, Will will be making all the decisions and running that. But um, uh, that's kind of a, I, I like that conference too. Uh, another laid back, relaxing community conference. Uh, uh, Ed was there last year and keynoted uh, for Will. I was. Um, will stole him after he keynoted at Pot Tennessee the year prior. I'm just saying. Um, yep. I noticed I never got asked to come down and talk with that. I'm kind of miffed about that. It's strange, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so uh, different language, slightly different feel. Uh, you know, the parties are different, those kind of things. Code of conduct is still present and still in force, but we do uh, allow alcohol and stuff at that event. Um, and last year it was huge. Um, I, I can't remember the total number of people that checked in, but it was well over 600 people checked in and, uh, the year prior to give you an idea, it was like 300 and something, um, speakers from all over the place, uh, some pretty big names in the JavaScript world. And it was exciting. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't yeah, it, was, do... it was, it was me. It was me and, uh, <laughs> uh, good parts guy at Crawford. Yes. We were the co-headliners. Um, and then I'm going to butcher this name. Sol- Soledad. Oh man, I don't want to say her last name. I'm going to mess it up. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, from Mozilla, Peer. Um, no, I don't. I don't even want to say it. Benades, uh, per- maybe. Um, but she G-N-A-D-E-S. came all the way. Yes, yes. She she came a long way and, and gave a great talk. And all of those videos are online. So if you're interested in. Uh, seeing Ed's talk or uh, Douglas's talk, those are all out on YouTube on the November channel. And uh, I think that's one thing that we don't do at Pot Tennessee that I really like from November uh, is that uh, JavaScript world has the money to record all the videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, there, every single video is available for free uh, pretty quickly after the event uh, for people to consume. That's really hard to do, like do and do properly. Um, I think, uh, Open Source Bridge like record has recorded most of their talks, but for the first few years, like they just never got online because I mean they it's like okay somebody's got to edit all these right and then they you know. but I think they had the Confreaks people do it last year and it got out pretty quick like in a couple of months, but it's you first off just recording them is difficult and then actually releasing them is it's more work way more work. 
than than actually recording. Them. We use so, uh, Next yeah. Day Video to do all of ours, and uh, they do get a large number of them done uh, with certain, you know, within a few hours, and then uh, a bunch of them within a week or two after the event. Uh, we had a few stragglers that had some issues that took you know a month or so, but in general, all of them oh, yeah. were were up pretty quickly. Well, there's always something like something screwed up with the with it or there's some technical issue. It just always is. They, they, there's like a 5% failure rate on it or something like that. It's just, it always screws up. Video is definitely to, uh, for November is one of the more challenging parts of the uh, yeah. conference to pull off. So, uh, but I like that. Yeah. I like the fact that the community still has access to the things after they're gone there. There is that goal uh, in the Python world as well. And it gets done uh, pretty well, but it's, um, you know, uh, Pi video is like, you know, under, under shutting down pressure and things like that because the uh, person who was taking care of it isn't really going to do that anymore. So, you know, it, it's sad to see those things. We have to have a dedicated focus on, um, you know, pulling off a particular thing to get that done. And that's just, it, that focus isn't there in the Python community uh, just yet. And it's, uh, it would be a third of Pi Tennessee's budget uh, to do video. It would take around 10 grand to video the event the way that we do it at November for Pi Tennessee. And that's, that would be, like I said, a third of the budget of the current budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris. Is he gone again? No, I'm here. I don't know, man. Just videos at true North were a humongous pain in the ass. So we didn't do them. Absolutely. <laughs> just, like part of it too is like, there's a, you know, there is a small but vocal percentage of people who seem to have some entitlement that every conference should have video and that every, and that this video should be available um, online uh, almost instantly, either from when the person initially gives their talk or with some teeny tiny um, delay. And I'm like, man, like you have no idea about the logistics involved in getting, you know, high quality HD video streaming somewhere. It's not like we just slap a fucking laptop up there and point the camera at the point the laptops a built-in camera at somebody and start recording. It's a lot of work. We tried to get it done. I wasn't happy with the way any of it went. So rather than do something half-assed, just like just not going to do it. I'm sorry that you can't make my event. The people who are here who paid, they're here to see this stuff. And if you can't make it, well, I'm sorry. I, I kind of feel that way too. I, I dislike the fact that it's instantly assumed that everything about running a conference is super simple. Um, I don't understand where they have this idea and I wish they would throw their own conference so that I could go <laughs> and enjoy a conference right. instead of having to throw one. Uh, Cause trust me, I'd love to just attend Pi Tennessee and not have to actually do anything. That would be amazing. Uh, I wish that was, was an option. Uh, I think it's Cal Evans fault that I ended up doing this anyway. Cause he was like, if you look around and there's something that you want and it doesn't exist in the community, that's because you're supposed to make it. I think that's a very bad generalization of something he told me. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think people just don't understand the difficulty of uh, all the little things that it takes to make a conference happen. And video is not a little thing uh, in that it's it and food are two of the hardest things to do at a conference, in my opinion, uh, at least from the ones that I've been a part of. Uh, and that entitlement of someone who didn't attend your event to see that video. Uh, yeah, I got to agree that that drives me crazy. Um, I want, I, I, I 
certainly wished that every person who came to Potency could have a copy of the videos to go back later, right? Because they have to make choices on the schedule about who they see, and sometimes they feel like they made the right one, and sometimes they feel like they made the wrong one, right? But someone who didn't come to the event, I really just don't have a lot of sympathy, uh, empathy, compassion for getting the videos to them. It's the people who came to the event made the event what it was, right? It's it's the individuals that are there that are more valuable than a random video online to me. Yeah, really? <laughs> Sorry. I guess I ranted there. That guy. Man, I thought you were a nice guy and everybody knows you're dead. Well, you know, there's a reason why yeah. permits stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really want to know what they think. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's just something <sighs> surrounding uh, conferences. I just got no time for it. It's like, man, just why don't you do one of these things yourself, and then you'll find out. And you want to see an event, run it your damn self. You'll find out the hard way what works and what doesn't work, and what's easy and what's not easy. And uh, and I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I'm sorry we can't do videos for True North because it just logistically was not working. I think the other thing, too, is, is people are like, why don't you record the track in the main room? And I'm like, how do I decide that that person's talk is more important than someone else's talk, right? We've had talks in the quote-unquote side rooms. We don't really have that concept of main versus side rooms, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had talks in the in the other rooms that weren't the auditorium, if you will. Uh, and those talks have been wildly more popular or more mentioned than some of the ones in the main room. Um and so I, I couldn't see myself just videoing some people's talks and not other people's talks. I don't think that's fair. And so since I can't do it overall, I just really don't compare. Com, I don't care about the complaints about the video, not having video. That's the spirit. Fuck those people. <laughs> I don't know that I go that far because I don't want to be Love like it. PR. <laughs> you know, submit a PR. That's the that's the way you you get your voice heard or nothing like that. <laughs> that's, but, what but, that's, that's what I'll say next year. We're organized. Oh, pull you request want video? Welcome. Pull request welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and that pull request comes in the form of a check. That's right. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I just don't have a lot of sympathy for that. I, I listen to it every year and I get frustrated about it every year. But uh, in the end, it just falls down to I don't care. Uh, you should have been there. What are you going to do, brother? Should have been there. Be there or be square. Well, that was a fine discussion where I uh, tried to get you two to fight. And it didn't work, uh, which was a shame. Uh, well, you didn't know that Chris yeah. and I were teammates for like uh, down at Lone Star PHP one year for uh, That's right. what even was that game? Uh, cornhole. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, Basically, yeah. that amounted to uh, my ineptitude at all things athletic showing and uh, Chris actually <laughs> keeping us winning. Yep. Yeah, the underhand uh, pitch. Not just a pretty face, Ed. Not just a pretty yeah, face. Yeah. All right. Get some skills. Get some skills. So I think we have reached the end of another exciting episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed, do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to promote? Well, um, maybe it'll be out by the time uh, this gets published. Uh, I hope so. But I'm going to be speaking at a couple uh, events uh, coming up in April. Uh, one is called the Combine, which is in Bloomington, Indiana, and that is sort of a uh, brings together a lot of people, different people working in different aspects of technology, developers and entrepreneurs and uh, thought leaders and crap like that. Um, but it's a pretty cool conference, um, and I think that's April seventh, something like that. The Combine, it's called, and then um, I also uh, believe I'm going to be speaking at. 
Kalamazoo X uh, in late April. I believe April 30th is uh, is when that is as a Saturday, I think. And that's a uh, it's sort of about the softer side of software development and working in tech. Uh, and it's kind of all about the non sort of technical stuff that goes into the kinds of things that we do. And I've heard amazing things about this conference for a long time and successfully on Twitter badgered my way into being uh, invited to speak. So that worked out. Um, and uh, that's what I've got right now. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess the other thing that I could mention is that um, we just launched a new open sourcing mental illness uh, website that I designed and um, has its own. Uh, we're, we're hosting it at the domain, sort of the main domain for it, osmihelp.org. And um, the blog that used to be there is going over to blog.osmihelp.org. But the main thing is, uh, I think we're going to be doing some uh, interesting stuff in the next uh, coming months. Um, probably going to be doing a new fundraiser pretty soon here. And also uh, trying to uh, finally publish some of the documents that we've been working on. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I'm, I've gotten, you know, four or five people who are volunteering, helping out with stuff. And uh, I think we're going to really try to grow it. Uh, I'm even thinking about, seriously thinking about trying to form a nonprofit uh, to, to do it. So it should be cool. That was probably way more than you wanted to hear, but that's what's going on. Yeah, it's always way more. Um, so for me personally, <laughs> I'm going to Australia uh, in April to speak at uh, the PHP Conference Australia. Uh, 27 hours worth of flights. Uh, not entirely looking forward to that experience, but how many times do you get to go to Australia? Not that many. Uh, that's April 14th and 15th in Sydney. Um uh, where I will be doing uh, like a three-hour testing workshop, my basically learn to test like a grumpy programmer thing that I've done a couple of times for folks. I'm also going to be giving a talk entitled um, Grumpy Testing Patterns of just kind of talking about people, talking to people about common recurring themes in your tests and things that you should be doing and things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to going to that. And on the and as part of that too, um, the book I've been working on since uh, late last year, Minimum Viable Test, I decided for once to actually launch the book before it's actually done because LeanPub makes that thing very easy. So that book was sort of like soft launched. Today, I haven't started the heavy promotion. My newsletter, usual Tuesday newsletter, because we're recording this on Monday night, Tuesday newsletter is going out with um, a discount code to give people $10 off the $29 price. So a minimum viable test, you can find it up on LeanPub, my super awesome publisher. Uh, to be frank, I'm hoping to have like a really good bit of February and March with sales so that I can find, uh, make a whole ton of money so I can guilt-free upgrade to business class to go to Australia and back. So another reason why I like writing these books helps fund my ridiculous things that I enjoy doing with my time. Because it was last time I checked, I would need another six grand to pay for business class <laughs> to Australia and back. So for the love of God, buy 300 copies of my book and I'll be all set. 
Are you gonna? Can you? Are you gonna get one of those seats that fully reclines into a horizontal position? Uh, if they have those in business class, yes. Right now, what I did is I paid. Uh, the conference is reimbursing me, so I already paid for mm-hmm. my. I booked the premium economy um, flights, so like extra legroom. Right. So I mean, it'll okay, but just fifteen hours on a flight, and I'm not really that good at sleeping on planes, so I don't know like what kind of raving lunatic. I'm going to be right. uh, when I get to Sydney because I got to fly from here 15 hours to Hong Kong, two and a half hour layover in Hong Kong, and then nine hours from Hong Kong to Sydney. So I'm kind of wondering what kind of mood I'm going to be in when I finally make it there. I'm hoping it won't be that I've been awake for 27 hours consecutively. So, um, but yeah, so I do know that if I can get the score of the business class seats, that would be very good. But I promised my wife it would require a uh, um, super, super good month. Um, with the new book because there was already threats of divorce if I went and did that uh, upgrade to business class so we'll have to, have to I'll have to make sure I have enough money for the enough money for the legal fees and enough money for the business class seats and we should be okay um, so that's it yeah um, that uh, combine that's a really cool name for the event I like that hell yeah that's a cool thing and I know that the Kalamazoo X thing is something that our um, friend of the show Liz Naramore has talked about in the past I yeah. She's the one that's yeah she's talked about a bunch well it's good that you uh, used your leverage your celebrity and bullied people on Twitter into letting you do what you want I mean mm-hmm. I find that works really well for me and I'm kind of proud for you that you that you stooped to that level um, it's, it means you have been paying attention to the things that I tell you this is good yes every once in a while so anyway we've come to the end Jason thanks so much uh, for joining us and uh, thanks again for uh, thwarting Ed's plan to try to get us fighting with each other because Ed had Ed, <laughs> Ed had no idea that we basically felt the same about this set of topics uh, so uh, for, we'll provide links to it, links to um, PyTennessee, to November. Um, we'll throw a link in there if you want, if you're interested in uh, checking out um, Jason's uh, Jason and his uh, soon-to-be-dead partner's book about um, uh, SQL alchemy. Uh, seriously, if you do any Python stuff and you want to do stuff with databases, I highly recommend checking it out because it is, uh, um, it's the ORM that Doctrine wishes it could be, in my opinion. Oof. Double slam! So uh, that's how you get schooled on a, on a Monday night. Uh, so this has been episode number 72 of the Development Hell podcast. As always, you can find every single episode we've ever done online at devhell.info, along with snappy graphics picked by Ed. And these days I'm doing all the show notes uh, under Ed's close supervision. Uh, you can also listen to us on iTunes. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please, please, please rate us. It helps us uh, helps helps us realize whether we're doing a good job or not. Although I'm pretty sure we're doing a good job. Um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, at dev underscore hell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm grumpy programmer without the u. You can find Ed. Uh, 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 rewind that. Ed is Funkatron with a U. Uh, we experimented with Slack. Slack was kind of fun. I don't really give a shit. And Ed's going to talk about the sponsors. Yeah, jeez. How to grab you? We're going to lose it on her. But we got um, uh, sponsors that we should mention again. Backup Pros, because it's the backups for the pros at backup-pro.com. Uh, you get to uh, you get to, you back up your WordPress. Uh, they can do that for you. You got your uh, expression engine, your craft CMS, Presta Shop, and uh, Concrete Five. They uh, did that song with the guy who uh, sells you the acne cream. 
and uh, you get the stuff, you back it up to S3, your rack space, Google Cloud Storage, FTP, SFTP, drop a box, uh, email it even to you. It's amazing. Super amazing. You even API, make your own storage locations. I don't know, maybe you tie it into Fly System. Now you can write to anything you want. Uh, handles geometry, binary. I, I still, still don't know what that means. Geometry? I don't know what that means. Uh, but it, it doesn't rely on exec or system functions, so it works pretty well on shared hosting. Uh, it's got a backup integrity check, uh, which is pretty, super cool. Alerts you to fail to miss backups. Normally, normally $99. Normally, normally $99. But we're abnormal. We got a special deal for DevHell listeners. That's 50% off with the coupon code DevHell, D-E-V-H-E-L-L, lowercase, and that's at backup-pro.com. And in the show notes, there'll be links to trial editions uh, for all five of those CMSs. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, because you... Unless you count expression engine two or three as two different CMSs, which and then there's six. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Backup Pro looking cool. And then we got our Wonder Network who gives our uh, bandwidth. If you need to do stuff for doing network uh, checking, uh, HTTP load testing, all sorts of uh, like localization tests, uh, ping tests from various different kinds of like locations, 200 different locations across the world that they can test your stuff from or VPN services. Uh, you can do a personal VPN setup with them too. Uh, go to wondernetwork.com and they are garbage people. So uh, those are the sponsors. Chris. You, th- you threw me off at the garbage people comment. I kept forgetting about that pending litigation. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Jason, thanks. Ed, thanks. Me, thanks. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Good night, Internet. Bye.